Well, good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Um, I think maybe you're shocked that the new year is here. Let me ask that question again. How's everybody doing today? That's excellent. Because we're in the round today, I may uh, fall down at some point from spinning around. And so I appreciate that. We, you know, we, uh, we adjusted the room because of Christmas Eve and did the Christmas Eve service in the round. And that, that time, uh, the week before Christmas, week after Christmas is kind of the time when we all get things reset and kind of get to retool for everything. And so next Sunday, when you come to worship, this room will look like it once looked and we will have a chance to, to move us back to normal. And we'll be in this room for worship next Sunday. And so I'm excited about that. I think that's great. One of the reasons why we're moving back and forth, well, originally we moved down there because we had an air conditioner problem we needed to fix. We've gotten that resolved, and that's wonderful. We're moving in here, but one of the great things that's going to happen while we're in here is we're going to begin a renovation of the Fellowship Hall. And uh, one of the things I've just, yeah, we can celebrate that. Can we celebrate that? I think it's been since 1987 or so. Somebody's going to remember that since, uh, since we did anything new to that, that worship center. So that's going to be a, a great thing. As Southern Baptists and as, uh, I don't know, we're, we are people of the casserole. And so it just seems like that uh, if we have a room of any size at all, that we're going to sing in it, we're going to talk in it, and we're going to eat in it. <laughs> and so that's what we're doing to Fellowship Hall. We're renovating the look, cleaning it up, fixing some of the things that are going on over there, and making some cosmetic adjustments so that we can sing in it, so that we can talk in it, and so that we can eat in it. And that's a wonderful thing. Well, I hope everyone had a fantastic Christmas. Did you all have a great Christmas, great New Year's? That's great. Did you get everything I wanted for Christmas? If you did, you can just deliver it to my house later today. That'll be wonderful. I'm going to go ahead and introduce myself because uh, I'm not always able to be on this campus. My name is Chad Baltrip, and I'm one of the pastors here at the church. Uh, Misael and Jesus, they're out of town this week. You see Jonathan sitting right there. I'm excited about Jonathan being here today. We're going to talk more about that uh, in the future. But uh, um, one of the things that my responsibilities does for me, and I'm so grateful for what God allows me to be a part of, um, I'm, I'm thankful that as a member of our church and as a member of our staff at our church that God allows me to do a wide variety of things and be involved in a number of, uh, of things in the life of our church. Um, but the oddity of that for me, the part that's challenging for me, is that it means that sometimes I'm on the platform and sometimes I'm behind the scenes. Sometimes I'm on this campus and sometimes I'm at our Owasso campus. And the end result is I have moments like I had last Sunday. Come on in, y'all. I'm so glad you're here. Feel free to sit anywhere, and I will spin around and talk to you at some point. <laughs> so um, what I was wishing they would do is install a lazy Susan so I could just stand there and it'd be like a, one of those Christmas trees that turns around. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. But, uh, but my responsibilities take me a number of places. Last Sunday, I was privileged to be able to preach on the Owasso campus, and it had been a long time since I've really been on the platform at that campus, and so to a large degree, it was like a homecoming. I got to see people I haven't seen in a while and, and catch up with people I haven't caught up with in a while, and I've been moving back and forth between campuses behind the scenes really for the last semester, and the end result is today feels like a homecoming all over again because I get to see some of you that I haven't seen face-to-face in a while, and what a privilege it is is to be able to do that. Thanks so much for letting me be here. And then today is special for me uh, in, an, in another way. Um, 20 years ago, the first Sunday of January was my very first day on staff with First Baptist Church Owasso, with, with our church. So I'm now, next year I will be old and, oh, thank you. Next year I will have been here long enough to start drinking, and so that'll be... <laughs> That'll be helpful. Uh, just to be honest, it'll be helpful. So that's good. No, I'm, I'm just teasing. Um, but I really am privileged to be here. And then there's just so many other things about this year that I think are special. <laughs> uh, there's just so many other things about this year that are special. There's only two other people on our staff that have been here longer than me. Keith Davis, who preached here last Sunday, has, has senility on me. Uh, sorry, seniority on me by one week. Uh, so last Sunday was his 20th anniversary, and then Bruce Kobler, who's up there, 23, is that right? Yeah. Or is it 24? 23, 24? He's been drinking for several years now, so we're good. It, it does, see? That's how I know, that's how I know, and so I'm just, there is something to be said for, I've always said that as much as a pastor influences a church, I believe that a church influences a pastor, and so let me just say thank you to you 
for being the kind of church that raises up pastors. I'm just so thankful for the way that you do that. And in the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at today, I think of the passage that we're looking at today as a guide to how and why to attend church. It's the way I think of it. I think the passage we're going to look at today is a, is a guide for us. It's a step-by-step kind of gospel-centered guide for why and how we should come to church together. When we assemble together as the church, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying online church isn't relevant. I believe that it is relevant. Actually, I have a son who is in the online gaming world all the time. He actually had alarms set last night because of some online gaming competitions that he was a part of. And he's like, Dad, I got to go. We were playing we were playing games as a family. And he's like, Dad, I got to go at this time because I've got this tournament that I'm a part of. I've got to go do this. And, and it's been a crazy thing for me to see him in this online world. He talks about his friends who I will never meet face to face because some of them live in Japan and some of them live in other parts of the United States. And, and he has one friend online. He goes, yeah, that's my atheist, buddy. Uh, we, have, we talk all the time about why he's an atheist and why I'm, a, why I'm a Christian and all that stuff. And actually, his atheist buddy online, is they've started playing with another guy. And he's like, hey, Ethan, lay down some of that gospel transformation on this guy because he really needs it. And I'm like... I'm not sure he's much of an atheist if he's saying stuff like that to you, but he knows my son is a believer, and so somehow he's building these significant relationships online where he's contributing, and as much as his 15-year-old, you know, he's been a believer for a while and lives in a pastor's home, but as much as a 15-year-old is able to share the gospel with someone he's never met face-to-face, he's doing that, and I'm proud of him. So church isn't just about online or in person. I like in person a lot, though, because I love seeing you face-to-face. But the church really is... What happens when the people of God are present in the presence of God, right? That's what church is. Church is what happens when the people of God are present in the presence of God. And for my son, I know that can happen for him online. That's a little weird for me, but I like this moment, and I think that's awesome. And so um, I hope that every time we come together, I hope every time that we assemble, that we assemble in the context of being present in the presence of God. And Romans chapter 1 is where we're going to be today. And these first 17 verses in Romans chapter 1 really are this incredible example of what it means to be present in the presence of God. Now, as I think about uh, a year or a day like today, it's January 2nd, and everywhere people are talking about, well, these are things, this is what made last year awesome or awful, and this is what's going to make next year awesome or awful, and these are my New Year's resolutions that I'm going to start practicing on Monday, and um, because it's the weekend, I don't practice resolutions on the weekend. And so I know, I I get to a day like today and everybody's kind of evaluating what once was and looking forward to what's ahead. And and as I think about that, I know that every year, this is just kind of a challenge I extend every year to myself and to friends and family. At the end of 2022, um, you're going to have an opportunity to look back and evaluate once again as you look ahead to 2023. And you're going to say to yourself one of two things. You're going to say, I'm glad I did or I wish I had. I'm glad I did or I wish I had. For 21, most of you know this, 21 was a great year and a terrible year for me all at the same time. It was a great year and a terrible year. In the middle of the year, I got COVID and ended up hospitalized with it. Not my favorite time. <laughs> it was not great. Yet at the same time, at the end of this year, uh, a week and a half ago, I was able to defend my dissertation successfully, which means they looked at me and for the first time ever with not as a joke. They looked at me and said, welcome into the room, Dr. Balthrop. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. So thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. It's the last paper I'll ever have to write. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, and, and if you're asking, I can't really prescribe you anything except maybe chocolate. I could prescribe you chocolate. I'm not that kind of doctor. But So in, in some sense, most challenging year ever. Through my dissertation, my my project was about this idea that thriving churches and declining churches can give strength to and gain strength from one another. And so it's not just that I earned a piece of paper that says, hey, you, you did some work. It's that in the process of earning that piece of paper, I got to know other pastors in the area. 
and other churches in the area. I got to be a part of their story and their journey and to inspire them and to help them. Uh, There's one church in the Tulsa area that right now is having a conversation with a church planter because they feel like that church plant should start inside the walls of their church and that they should become one church together as a gospel lighthouse presence on the south side of Tulsa. And there's another church uh, that's not that far from here that has formed a, a church search team. They're actively seeking a church that they can partner with in ministry to make certain that the gospel light continues to shine in that part of Tulsa. And I got to be a part of that. And so, again, 2021 for me brought some really low moments and some really high moments all at the same time. At the end of this year, you're going to say, I'm glad I did, or I wish I had. And it's on a day like today, in the context of worship, that you get to set the tone for the rest of your year. So beginning assembled together, being present with one another in the presence of God. What a great way to start. Good job. Thank you very much. And I hope that when the year's over that you look back on your moments in worship together and you're able to say, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. Instead of, man, I wish I had. I wonder what I missed. I wish I had. So Romans chapter 1 is where we're going to be today. And and instead of, uh, we normally, in the context of worship, we stand out of honor of the reading of God's word. And I'll say at the end of that, this is the word of the Lord. And you'll say, praise be to God. Instead of doing that today, because there's 17 verses that I want us to cover, we're not going to read it all together uh, out loud, standing up like that today. But we are going to go through the entire passage. And I'm just going to take it kind of one section at a time. Because this really is, a guide to attending church. This is what it means for you to be a believer, a follower of Christ, more specifically a worshiper of God in this place. This is the why, it's the what, and the how for why we worship together. And and we have this opportunity to experience the presence of God as we are present together. So let's look at that very first verse. Watch this, Romans chapter 1 beginning in verse 1, and we're just, I'm just going to confess, as we read this first verse, we're just not going to get that far. So we're not going to take every verse uh, quite like we're going to take verse 1, but we're just not going to get that far. So don't don't get too uh, afraid here. Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. You know what, as an act of worship, I am going to say, this is the word of the Lord. And you you guys respond in worship by saying, praise be to God. I'm going to read that verse one more time. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. This is the word of the Lord. Great job, y'all. Hey, here's the first thing I want us to notice about what it means to attend church, what it means to come together in the context of worship. It starts with a choice. It starts with a choice. It starts with your choice. As a believer, now let's just, let's just assume that you're already a, someone who is a follower of Christ. You're already a believer in him. But the first thing that we see here in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul says, I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. That means something very specific. A bondservant of Jesus Christ. Paul was a bondservant of Jesus. A bondservant is one who chooses to remain with their master. A bondservant is one who chooses to remain with their master. I don't know if you all figured this out or not, but we're all slaves to something. All of us. Uh, Scripture says that without Christ, we're slaves to our sin. Sometimes we're slaves to our finances. Sometimes we're slaves to our jobs. Sometimes we're beholden to some obligation we have to friends or to family. Sometimes we're a slave to our, our, uh, our employer. Sometimes, But here's the beautiful part about what Christ's sacrifice on the cross did for us. He set us free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death says I'm a slave to sin. And now we live under a new rule that you see in James chapter 1 and 2 and you see it all through scripture. We're now, we're now living under a totally different law. It's the law of liberty, which means I'm free. I'm free from the law of sin and death, so I can choose 
something different. I don't have to give in to temptation anymore. I don't have to be a slave to my desires. I don't have to be a slave to my emotions. I don't have to be a slave to the PTSD that gets me down because I went through all these tragic experiences. I don't have to be... I don't have to live by the world's rules anymore. I just don't have to. Because Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary set me free from the law of sin and death so that I could live under the law of liberty, which says I'm free so I can. And in Paul's context, in the ancient Roman days, there were, there were two kinds of slavery. There were those slaves who were slaves by conscription. Just like you normally think of slavery, they were slaves because of economic policies or problems. They were slaves because they were captured from another country and forced into service. They're slaves because they were sold into slavery like Joseph in the Old Testament. That was one kind of slave, but there was another kind of slave, and it was this bondservant. And it's someone who's been freed. They've been freed from their conscriptive service. And now God has said to them, or not God has said to them, they have said to God or to their master, I choose to stay with you. You are such a good master. I I love you so much as my master that I choose. If I'm going to be a slave to anyone or anything, I'm not going to be a slave to myself. I'm not going to be a slave to my money. I'm not going to be a slave to my time or my schedule. I'm not going to be a slave to someone else. I'm going to be, if I'm going to be a slave to anyone, Jesus I choose to be a slave to you. And that's exactly what Paul said. Paul was a bondservant of Christ. So that's the first idea. When it comes to attending church, when it comes to being part of a body of believers, the very first idea, the why behind it all, is very simple. It's because you've chosen to serve Christ. That's the challenge out of Romans chapter 1. Will you choose to serve Christ? Will you be a bondservant to him? Now let's look at Romans 1. Verses 2 through 7. And I guess before I jump out of choose to serve Christ, I I just need to ask you the question. You don't need to answer this one out loud. uh, But what does that look like to you? To choose to serve Christ. Certainly it's a way of living and it's a way of thinking. Certainly it's a way of doing and a way of believing. It's also a way of uh, treating other people. It's a way of managing your schedule it's a way of it's not that you know there was a back in the day there were those bracelets the WWJD what would Jesus do in my decision making Um, which I think is that's a fine question to ask but but if I'm choosing to serve my wife if I was choosing to serve my wife would I ask the question what would Londa do that's not a bad question for me by the way that's a good question what would Londa do Um, but But if I'm choosing to serve her, maybe it's not about what she would do because sometimes, well, Jesus was self-sacrificing. We should be self-sacrificing. Sometimes Londa does a great job sacrificing things for the sake of her family to make me happy, to make the kids happy. She, She makes Christmas something special around our house, and I love that. I think that's awesome. But instead of asking the question, what would Londa do, sometimes it's beneficial for me to ask the question, if I want to serve her well, what would Londa want? What would be the thing I could do to surprise and delight my wife? Guys, that's not a bad question to ask ever. How today could I surprise and delight my wife? Wives, that's not a bad question to ask about your husband. What could I do today to surprise and delight my spouse? Um, Today, Rachel was excited to tell me that they're celebrating their sixth-month wedding anniversary today, (laughs) their semi-annual wedding. And so, guys, what can you do to surprise and delight each other today? Nothing. Nothing. Naps, naps are good. Um, and so, and, and then what can I do? To, what could I do today? If I'm going to choose to serve Christ, what could I do to, to, to surprise and delight, specifically to delight my heavenly father? How, what could I do to do that? Choose to serve Christ. And then Romans 1, 2 and through 7, that's the first thing. If you're attending church, if that's, if that's one of the things that's important uh, to you, then that, that's kind of the foundation of it. Romans 1, 2 through 7 says this. I guess I should start with verse 1 just to give it context, to make it a full sentence. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before. What did he promise? He promised the gospel, which he promised before through his prophets in in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith 
among all nations for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ, to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to notice some things with me. The reason why it's formatted this way is the book of Romans is really a letter to the, to the believers who are in the city of Rome. And it's a letter from the Apostle Paul to those believers. And, and in those days when you wrote a letter, we always end our letters, you know, sincerely, Chad Balthrop, God bless Chad Balthrop. We, we do that at the end, of a, the end of a thing. But in those days, they started the letter by saying, this is who I am, this is who I'm writing to, and then offering some kind of blessing, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But Paul says so much more in his greeting because he's not simply identifying who he is in his introduction. He's identifying who we are as the church, who the Romans are as the church in his introduction. Look at that again. First off, we are not a church outside the context of Jesus Christ. Through him. Now let's go back to verse 2. The gospel is something he promised before through his prophets and the holy scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord. We are not a church without the gospel of Christ. We are not a, a church without Jesus. And Jesus was born of the flesh. He was born of the, of the seed of David according to the flesh. Meaning he was one of us. That's part of what being a church is all about, right? We have this one of us mentality. Whoever God chooses to bring into the doors of our church, whatever nationality they are, whatever language they speak, whatever experience or background they have, wherever it is that they come from, if God brings them here to join our church as a believer and follower of Christ whose life has been transformed by the gospel, they're one of us. Jesus, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Jesus was one of us who was actively by purpose and by action and by life and by love actively seeking to make you like him. So he became like us so that we could become like him. He made the way by the spirit of holiness and he proved it by the resurrection from the dead. So that first idea of choose to follow Christ, choose to serve Christ, man, we have the kind of master that's worthy of our service. He chose to become one of us so that we could become like him. He chose to become like us so that we could become like him. And then watch this verse five. Through him, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name among whom you also are the called of God. So Paul's trying to say, well, let me tell you, he's writing this letter. Let me tell you who I am. I'm a bondservant of Jesus. Let me tell you who you are. You are one whose life has been transformed by the gospel. And here's what you've received. You've received, received grace and apostleship why? To make your life more comfortable, to make your life easier, to make your checkbook a little bigger, to make... Why did you receive that? For obedience to the faith. Where? Among all the nations. For, for his name's sake. So that second idea, uh, the first idea is that we need to choose to, to follow Christ. We need to choose to serve Christ. The second idea is I hope that today you recognize your significance. Recognize. We always talk about Paul with a sense of wonder, right? The Apostle Paul. He once was a murderer and torturer of Christians. He had this life-changing, transformative experience with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And then he became the one who, through, whom Jesus, through whom God wrote the majority of the New Testament. And he planted all these churches. And we, it's almost like he's this spiritual superhero. And he is someone absolutely worthy of our respect. And that man who is worthy of our respect, who we revere in so many ways because he wrote so much of the gospel in this letter to the Romans is saying to the Romans and to you, through Jesus, you, just like me, have received grace and apostleship, just like me, for obedience to the faith among all the nations. Now, Paul got to go to all the nations, and you may not. Well, what does that mean for you? Well, your nations are right here. 
right here in this place, you have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among those who speak English and among those who speak Spanish. And to a large degree, to those who speak Hmong and other languages. To those who speak with lots of things because they have lots of things. And to those who speak with not very much because they just don't have very much. To those who are African American and to those who are Anglo. To those who come to church all the time. And to those who, they're not really in church very much. All the nations are right here in our own backyard. And you, like Paul, have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all the nations. I hope you'll recognize your significance. That seventh verse is where he's really saying, hey, this is to you, Rome, to all who are in Rome. Watch this. Beloved of God. Do you feel loved today? I don't know. Do you feel loved today? Because Paul himself says you're loved today. You are beloved of God. You are called. You've been given grace, and you've been given this grace for obedience to the faith among all the nations. Recognize your significance. Um, I used to, I, I still do sometimes, describe myself as a laughable little fuzzball. You know, I just, um, I just, I'm not that intimidating, and I'm not that powerful, and I don't have that much, and I'm not that smart, and I'm not that strong, and I'm all these things. I, it's easy for me I, to identify all the things I am not. Yet, in these verses, recognize your significance, because Paul is looking to you and just reminding you that in Jesus Christ, you are. You have received his grace, wife, and, and apostleship for obedience to the faith. And you can. Well, but I'm not a pastor, Chad. How can I talk about the gospel? I'm not a preacher. I've not studied like you've studied or like Chris has studied or like Jonathan or Misael or Bruce. I've not studied like somebody who's a paid Christian. You know, you all are paid to be good. I'm good for nothing. <laughs> um, no, you'll get that later. Um, that's not really how that works. You are loved and you are called. Don't squander the significance that Jesus Christ has poured his life out for you. You're not just loved by him. And that's one of the beauties of a congregation. That's one of the beauties of an assembly. This ought to be the place where when we come together, we should come together because we know God loves us and we love him and we want to worship him in spirit and in truth. But this also ought to be the place where we are constantly reminding one another. Amen. You are loved. And you are loved. And I don't know what you're going through today and I don't know how hard this week has been and I don't know what struggles and trials you've been through, but you're loved. Not just by Jesus. I love you. I love you. Um, I had a friend who used to say, God loves you and I'm working on it. <laughs> and sometimes that's true because sometimes I'm hard to love but, I, but, but I've, I've found in this place in this church in this congregation in the congregation in Owasso in those congregations that I've gotten to serve with through my dissertation project there's just such this incredible reminder that sometimes I need someone to physically look at me and say hey don't you remember that God loves you and so do I you are beloved and you're called, and you're separated. You've been made holy by the one who is holy. Holy, it means to be set apart. You've been made holy by the one who is holy. Never second guess your significance. And every time you're in your lowest moment and most depressed state, and every time you're in that space where you're thinking, God, I don't think it's supposed to be this way. Surely this is not the way life is meant to be. Would you just hear a voice tell you, you are significant because of what Christ has done for you. And there is a body of believers here who are glad and happy and excited to remind you you are loved and you are called and you are set apart for these purposes. And let's be those people who every time we come into this space, you ought to be the one. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. Don't wait for the receive, receive, receive. Show up being the one reminding everyone that you are beloved and you are called. And you have received grace and apostleship through the faith, for obedience to the faith, for, for all of these things. Choose to serve Christ and recognize your significance.
And then it just gets better. (laughs) Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. I love the way Paul starts a list, because he always starts a list and never quite finishes it. So you're going to see the word first, and then he never gets to a second. Isn't he like the perfect preacher? Um, I'm sorry, congregation. I just didn't have time this week to prepare a short sermon. Um, And so here he goes, giving his first, but never really finishing. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. Excuse me. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you, for I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. What an incredible blessing Paul prays over these Romans. Do you know Paul hasn't really been to Rome yet? These are the people he's not yet met. And he says to them, first, I thank my God for you, for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. It's five, six years ago that our two churches joined as one. Now we're one church in two locations, and we're trying real hard to make that happen. That's hard. (laughs) Have you noticed? That's hard. It's hard for people to see beyond the horizon of the walls of their facility. It's hard for people to see beyond that. And then it's hard for people to see beyond the walls of their facility, even just into their own community, let alone into a community that's 15 minutes north or 15 minutes south. That's just hard to see. I, just, I don't know if it's a limitation of imagination. I don't know if it's the way God designed us. I just know that's hard to see. But here's this group of people that Paul has never met face to face. Yet their faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. One of the things that made this merger easier was that from this campus, there were people who had heard the story of the faith of the people in Owasso. And from the Owasso campus, there were people who had heard the story of the faith of the people in this location. And then there are missionaries that we pray for. And then there are people in other churches. Right now, in this moment, there are people in churches that don't have the name First Baptist on them or Calvary or any other name on them. The mission doesn't have any other name on it. has no association with our organization. Yet there are believers all over the world in this moment right now who are endeavoring to worship God in spirit and in truth through music and through the preaching of his word and through the way they obey and trust and follow Christ and through the way they seek to please him. And they ask that question, Father, how can I surprise and delight you today? What can I do, God? What can I do to surprise and delight you today? There are believers. We join, every time we worship together, we join with a chorus innumerable to to worship a Savior who is incomparable. And And we do it every Sunday. So why should you come to church? Well, because we can be present together, experiencing the presence of God and celebrating that there's so much more to who we are than this. There's a congregation 15 minutes north of here that we're directly connected to, and there are congregations all over the world that we are directly and indirectly connected to. And... And then here's Paul saying, I've not met you, but I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. How do you pray for your church? How are you right now? Are you actively, daily, minute by minute, moment by moment, as God brings people to your mind, How do you you pray for your church? Making mention of you always in my prayers. How do you pray for your church? That without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests, if by some means now at last, watch this, I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. So like I said earlier, I think online is a fully acceptable way to worship our Heavenly Father. It's a great way to receive 
spiritual, great, godly information. And as long as we're not doing that in a consumeristic way, because I can get great godly information 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's just the beauty of the technology God's given us. I can pull up the best of the old and the best of the new anytime I want to in regards to getting great godly information about Scripture. And again, through technology, there's ways I can come together. There are Sunday school classes still today that are having people zoom in, even as far away as from France and at times in the past. There have been people who have done that, and that's brilliant and it's beautiful. But that coming together, there's just something powerful about being together. If I could find a way in the will of God to come to you. It's why I loved the opportunity last week to reconnect with people in Owasso. And I love the opportunity today to reconnect face-to-face with people in Tulsa. And why? Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to see you face-to-face? Why would I want to be seen face-to-face? Why would I want us to attend together? Why would I want us to do that? Well, just look at that. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit and the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests if by some means now at last I may find a way, way in the will of God to come to you. And here's why I want to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, that you may be established. That is that I may be encouraged together with you, both by the mutual faith, uh, by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So why why does Paul want to see you? Why did Paul want to see the Romans? That he may impart to you some spiritual gift. It's not wrong to come to church and receive. I hope you receive. I hope you receive. I hope you receive grace and apostleship. I hope you receive love. I hope you receive great godly information. I hope you receive encouragement and help and hope. I hope you receive inspiration. I hope you receive all of these things. I do. I hope you receive. But Paul says, that's not why I come to church. (laughs) I come to church that I may impart to you some spiritual gift that you may be established in your faith is what he means by that. So I guess when I look at that passage, if I were to put it into a point, I would say when you come to church, you ought to pray specifically. You ought to give intentionally. Pray specifically and give intentionally. Find ways to pray specifically for the people of your church. Find ways to pray specifically for our church as a whole. I've been asking God for generation, it seems like now, because I'm old. Uh, I've asked God for a long time, God, would you do something in us and through us that can't possibly be explained because of us? God, would you allow us to be the people who give more than we think we can afford and trust you to provide? God, would you send us places we've never been before to do things we've never done before in order to share the gospel with people we've not yet met? God, would you let us be the people who use who we are and what we have for the benefit of others? Would you let us be those people? Those are some ways that I've prayed. And then there are these moments when the prayers have to be much more specific than that. I was sick earlier in the year, and some of you prayed specifically for me to not be sick anymore. I have a little chest congestion. I've lost my voice. I sound a bit like James Earl Jones. Um, No, I don't sound anything like James Earl Jones. Um, But I've lost a little bit of something today, and some of you have prayed specifically for me in that. And Some of you are being prayed for specifically and have been for years and will continue to pray specifically. And then there are people outside the walls of our church, the people who aren't here yet, that we ought to be praying for specifically. When you, why, why come to church? Well, because we get to choose to serve Christ and, and because we ought to recognize our significance, but we ought to pray specifically and then give intentionally. Do you realize that, that our worship services aren't a performance of a group of people on a platform to a group of people in the pew? Do you understand that that's not where the performance takes place? There is a performance taking place. Absolutely, there's a performance taking place. But it's not a group of talented and gifted people on a stage performing for a group of of marginally talented people in the congregation. That's not what that's about. We, as the body of Christ, are performing for an audience of one. These people on the platform are facilitating our worship. They're looking at us together and saying, I get to worship the God I love with the people that I love. And so now let's do this together. Come with me. They're not saying, I know and you don't. They're saying, I'm ready. Are you? Let's go. 
And so every time we come together for worship, it's not about another song or another sermon or another service. It really is. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift that you may be established. So what spiritual gift have you given in the context of worship to someone in your church today that they may be established? That is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. See, we don't do that just because we're constantly giving and constantly giving and constantly giving. It's as we all give of our spiritual gifts that we are all encouraged by the mutual faith, both of you and me. That's what the, that's what the passage says. Pray specifically and give intentionally for your church. Our worship services are just different when you're not here. There's a way that you encourage people around you simply through the countenance of how you sing, whether it sounds good or not. There's something that is affected and influenced in the concept and context of worship when a lost person comes into the room. Corinthians says that, that when, when everybody testifies to the glory of God through the way they worship in the context of a worship service, that that lost person is persuaded by all and is convinced by all. It takes far more than just the preacher in the pulpit. It takes the worship of the people in the pew for that message to come through loud and clear. And so what spiritual gift are you giving into the life of your church that someone else may be established in their faith? Every time you come to church, you ought to be praying specifically and giving intentionally. And when you're not here, there are things you know about our Heavenly Father that I don't know yet because he's so vast and so majestic and so wonderful. And if you don't share those with me, I won't know. And if I don't share with you my experiences with who he is and how he's influenced my life, there's just some things you won't know. How will you give and how will you pray? And then there's this last piece of it. Well, I guess I should say these things because they're good statements. Prayer anticipates the joy of coming together face-to-face with faithful friends people in your church and the people who worship with you, they need the spiritual gifts that God's entrusted to you. There are just some things you're good at that I'm not. There's some experiences you've had that I haven't. This last passage, Romans 1, 13 through 17. Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you but was hindered until now that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor, both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So if I'm trying to think about why I should come to church and how I should come to church, it starts with this idea that I, I'm going to choose to serve Christ. And, and it's going to continue with this idea that as I serve Christ, I begin to see myself the way he sees me more clearly. So it allows me to recognize my significance. And then as I recognize my significance, I can't help but show up with other people of faith because that's the place where I have an opportunity to impart to you a spiritual gift that you may be established, that is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So you're giving your spiritual gifts, I'm giving my spiritual gifts. We're praying specifically and we're giving to one another intentionally. And then there's so much in this passage that I'm just going to have to skip. Not because it's not part of the message, but because this passage is just so rich and deep in what it means to be a believer in Christ inside a body of believers together. But there's one phrase I want to focus in on in this last idea as we look at this, and it's verse 15. Paul says, so as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel. Are you ready? I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. I've preached it everywhere else. I'm coming to Rome. I'm ready to preach. The, as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel. Are you ready? Are you ready? Have you ordered your life and structured your life in a way that when you start talking about the gospel with your friends or your family, that there's integrity behind 
the story? Or is your life organized in a way that would cause them to go, well, I know what they're saying with their lips, but they sure don't act like they believe it. So as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel. Do you know what the gospel is? Do you know? Do you know what? The, do you know how to share the gospel? My 15-year-old son doesn't know deep theology, but he knows enough for some atheist kid halfway around the world to go, hey, why don't you tell him about that gospel thing? So as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel. I think you should be ready to share the gospel in church. How crazy is that? Do you realize that's not my job? It sounds like that should be my job, right? You're a preacher, you're a pastor. You should, you should preach the gospel. That's not my job as a pastor or a preacher. That's my job as a believer. That's not my job because of a career path I've chosen or a way of study or school that I've been to. It's because Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven came into this world and lived a sinless, spotless life. And he looked at me and said, on the worst day of your life and the worst decision you've ever made and, and every decision in between that's been, been bad, that's broken your relationship with God the Father, that's broken the relationship with God, broken your relationship with people in every one of those things, those decisions have hurt you. They've hurt other people and you're broken because of them. Jesus stepped out of heaven and stepped into this world to show us how not to live like that. And then to pay the price for our forgiveness so that all of those sins could be forgiven. And what a beautiful thing it is for scripture to remind us that love covers a multitude of sins. Isn't that the gospel? That my sins are forgiven because Jesus Christ died on the cross and he rose from the dead. And as I trust in him, as I place my faith in him, as I choose to serve Christ, I come to grow in my faith in him more deeply and more intimately and with the power outflowing from his resurrection so that I can become more and more like him each and every day. And you can give that to someone even in church on Sunday. What a shame it would be to assume that just because we see each other every week in this context that every one of us actually knows and understands and is living by and, and living under and submitting to and surrendering to and enjoying the transformation that the gospel of Jesus Christ brings into your life and into mine. Why should I attend church? Well, because I've chosen to serve Christ and I'm recognizing my significance in Christ. And because of those two things, I can pray specifically and I can give intentionally to the people that God's chosen to surround me with in the gospel. And now I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Tulsa also, as much as is in me. And you can be that person too. So all year long, all year long, we're going to be talking about the mission life. You're going to hear that phrase and see that phrase a lot. That's actually the name of the series that we just began, the mission life. What does it mean to live the mission life? And every Sunday, we're going to try to give you one very specific, very practical way you can live the mission life. And to a large degree, you've started exactly right for the challenge we're going to issue today. The, the challenge is just really simple. Unless God stops me, I will attend church every Sunday this year. Uh, my, my pastor friends used to say, unless I'm providentially hindered, which is a very fancy way to say, unless God stops me, unless I'm providentially hindered, I will attend church every Sunday this year. And, and so I hope you'll do that. Would you make that your commitment and your practice? That unless God stops me, I will attend church every Sunday this year. But I really need to just add something to it. I'm not going to add it on the screen. It, it is a great starting point, and it is enough to just show up because decisions are made by the people who show up, and so I hope you'll show up. I will, unless God stops me, I'll, I'll attend church every Sunday this year, but, but I hope when you come that you'll do the things that Paul encouraged us to do when we come together in Romans chapter 1. You would choose to serve Christ, that you would recognize your significance, that you would pray intentionally and give specifically, that you would recognize you have a gift 
It's a spiritual gift. And it's not, about, it's not simply about teaching a class or serving in a classroom or setting up a chair or tearing down a chair. It's not simply about that. It's about you have this relationship with God that's living and active and moving. And you can share that with someone else. And as you do, as much as is in you, you can preach the gospel on a Monday in your workplace and on a Tuesday in your home and on a Wednesday on a basketball court and on a Thursday as you're hanging out playing a video game, on a Friday when you go to a movie, on a Saturday when you're watching a football game, as much as is in you, you can be ready to preach the gospel. Let me invite everybody to close your eyes for just a moment and bow your head. We do that uh, during our services because it's really a time of response. And in all honesty, what you're responding to isn't any wisdom that I have to offer so much as it is the wisdom of the word that God himself today, we are present in his presence. And so my hope is that you've heard his voice through my weak voice today. And I don't know how you need to respond to him, but it's always good in a service like this to just take some time to say yes to him. So I don't know what he's convicted you of today, but he wants you to draw close to him. and He wants to draw close to you. So maybe today it's as simple as this. Maybe you just need to say, God, I'll attend church every Sunday this year. Unless you stop me, I'm going to attend church every Sunday this year. Maybe it's that simple. Maybe it's something more specific. God, here's how I'm going to pray for my church this year. Here's how I'm going to give spiritually and otherwise to my church this year. Maybe that's what you need to do in response to God. Maybe there's a confession that's needed. God, I have denied and ignored the significance of what you've done for me and the significance of who I am because of you. So please forgive me for walking around thinking I'm someone or something that I'm not. Whether that's because I'm arrogantly avoiding who you are or whether it's because I'm just so depressed about who I think I am that I'm just believing a lie. So maybe I just need to confess that I, I haven't recognized the significance you've placed on my life. Maybe you need to repent of that today. And maybe today you've heard the gospel over and over and over and over again. But for whatever reason, today it made sense. And you want to place your faith in Jesus Christ. I would love to tell you about that. In just a moment, we're going to continue our worship as Rachel and Avery sing. As we continue our worship, this is an opportunity for you to respond. How will you say yes to him? And if you need someone to talk to about that, I'm right here. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're thankful to you for all that you've given to us. I'm so thankful for these men and women and for the way you've blessed me because of them. And I do pray that you would move in a way that is undeniably you and unbelievable to us and the world around us. That each one of them would recognize their significance that they would see the calling with which they've been called, that they would live in a way that honors you, and that every time we come together that we would be encouraged by the mutual faith of one another. Help us, Father, to be